Morning, all. Morning. Great to see you. Um, we have come to the end of the book of Romans. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, do you know what? I am, I'm really glad that I've got the opportunity to think about Romans uh, chapter 16. I noticed a hint of um, envy in Jonathan's voice last week when he said that that was the scripture that he wanted. Well, you snooze, you lose. Um, But he did a great job setting the scene for this last chapter, and uh, so grateful for that. So we're in chapter 16. I'm not going to read it all, um, but just please do take time when you get home to to go through it, Um, particularly have a go at um, reading some of the names. You'll see when you get to it. Okay. Uh, So we've had, it's been a great adventure, all sorts of different things that we've thought about, but these are Paul's last words to the church in Rome in this part of this letter. And uh, I'm always interested because I think that last words are quite significant. The last words you say to somebody are usually what's on your mind in that moment. So when we first started leaving the boys on their own when they were younger and we had that first time when we left them, I had a long list of last words. Usually things like keep safe, make sure you let the dogs out, don't play with fire, and love you both. Look after each other and love you both. So when they were a bit younger, those were my last words, and that's what I wanted to leave them with. When we were in Zambia, and they were going off to play in the sunshine, my last words were, hat please, sun cream, look after each other, be kind to one another, love you both. And no crocodiles. I didn't realize I had to specify crocodiles until they tell me stories of going to rivers where there were crocodiles, but obviously I didn't know at the time. My last words had significance and meaning. They meant something in that moment. And although we've come to the end of this this letter, I want us to really have a think about the last words of Paul because they have such meaning and significance for us today. And I really want us to be challenged by it because I've been challenged as I've been preparing it. So just a bit of a background. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. It's a church that he hadn't visited He sent this letter with Phoebe, who is right there at the beginning of verse 1, chapter 16. She's the one that carries this letter to this church, which is a very unique church in that it's predominantly Gentile Christian congregation. Now, to understand the significance of that, you need to understand the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. We know historically that the Jews were God's favoured people. They were the ones that God himself spoke over and said, you are my people and I'm your God, all the way through you see him bringing them out of captivity, his love and his care and all of that for them. And right now what we have is a Gentile congregation. So this isn't made up of Jews, this is made up of people that were distant from God, far away from him. They weren't close to God at all. And now when Jesus came into the world, the significance of everything turned upside down. Jesus came in and he said that the gospel of salvation, what sets us free from sin and death and hell and everything else, was choosing to put our life and our trust in the hands of Jesus. You still, you with me? He was the doorway that everybody has to walk through. If we want to know who God is, if we want to be close to God, if we want to have an experience with God, if we want to walk daily with God, we have to come through the doorway And his name is Jesus. And what God was saying was that Jesus is the door, whether you are Jew or whether you are Gentile. He sets the platform straight. Everybody comes in exactly the same way through the doorway who is Jesus. The world will tell you out there that all roads lead to God. No. Jesus 
is the doorway that leads to God. That's the truth. So whether you were a Jew who, were, who understood God's favour back in your history, or whether you were a Gentile who'd been far away from God, when Jesus came into the world through the doorway, that was where you got your salvation from. So this is a Gentile church. They've just understood who Jesus is. They've put their life and their trust in Jesus. They're saved through him. Predominantly a Gentile church. And Paul is writing to them. But what was happening was that as the Jews who had been outside of Rome, they'd been exiled, they were expelled from Rome, as they gave their lives to Jesus, Christianity became their religion, their life was entrusted to Jesus. They began to come back to Rome and they began to come to this predominantly Gentile congregation. So you'd got Jews and Gentiles all growing up in their faith together. Do you know what would have been much easier? What would have been so much easier would have been if the, ch- the Gentile church had got their own congregation, wouldn't it? And the Jews coming back in would have also had a separate congregation. That would have been easier, wouldn't it? Isn't it easier to mix with people that look like you, sound like you, speak like you, come from the same background as you, same culture, eat the same food? Wouldn't it be, have been easier is as they came back, The Gentiles said, well, this is actually our church. You need to go and find your own church somewhere else. It would have been a lot easier. Are you with me so far? It would have been easier. Romans would have been a different book altogether, probably shorter. And probably two, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. But what is interesting is, and it happens today, where we can have groups or bodies of Christians that are very similar to each other, and churches like that growing up, But you know, when we learn to, or when we relate to people that are just like us, it's easy unity, isn't it? It's easy to be united with people who are exactly like you. What is real unity or the glory of unity expressed is when we are as diverse as we can possibly be from every culture, every ethnic, I struggle with that word. How do I say it? Ethnicity. I've even lost my train of thought. From as as diverse as you can possibly get coming together, that is when unity is at its most glorious. And do you know what? I'm loving looking out this morning because we're as diverse as you could possibly get, aren't we, this morning? When we, the church, embrace diversity and demonstrate unity in it, by the coming together in all our forms, whatever our background, whatever our ethnicity is, it's a powerful, thank you Ian, it's a powerful witness and it speaks volumes more than when we just get on with people that we know, sound like, look like us, are like us. It's it's a different kind of unity. And with that as our background, Paul begins this long passage of greetings. Now, I really struggled. If I struggled with ethnicity, some of these names in here are unbelievable. Paul goes on to say this. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, these were Jews who'd risked their lives for him. He says, greet the church that meets in their home. People with no name, no idea who they are. He just says, greet that church that meets in their home. He says, greet Epentinus, the first convert. I'm presuming that's a Gentile convert. There's Greek Mary, who worked very hard. Greek Adronicus and Junia, fellow Jews. Greek Rufus and his mother, who's been like a mother to, be, to me. Greek Urbanus 
and Stitches. Stitches? Statues. Greet the women, Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have worked hard. Greet this person, greet that person. And the names that he lists are from the whole of the church community, Gentiles and Jews together. And it's interesting that on every single point, or every person that he speaks, there is a point of potential division. Division on race. And yet Paul says, the Jews and the Gentiles. Division on gender. And yet Paul says, men and women, they're represented here. Division on status or economic standing. But in this one thing, we have rich and poor. There are estate owners, and there's the city treasurer. And there's even, apparently, I don't know how true this is, the grandson to Herod is mentioned in this list of greetings. To Ernius and Rufus, who are common slaves, all of them are represented in Paul's greetings. You see, in the church, they all sit together as equals. Hello? That's this morning. In the church, we all sit together as equals. There is no other organization on the face of the earth that sits together as equals, quite like the church. And I find it interesting that Paul says in his letter, he says, greet them for me. He doesn't say, I send my greetings to this long list of people, because that would have been the end of the story, wouldn't it? I send my greetings to all these people, close the book, end of it. But he actually says, greet them for me. This is where what we learn in theory comes into practice. To fully understand this and the challenge, we have to understand the whole thing of greeting. Now, I think in England we struggle with the whole thing of greeting. Do you know that awkward moment when you go up to somebody and you don't quite know, do, I, do we hug? Do we shake hands? Don't quite know how to do this whole thing of greetings. Other countries are much more uh, free with it. You give a big hug, kiss on each cheek, everybody knows what's going on. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the mechanism of greeting. Paul says, greet these people for me. And my mind went back to Zambia. Because in Zambia, on a Sunday morning, this is how it works. You arrive at the church, you greet the ushers. The ushers take you down, and on the way down the aisle to your seat, you greet every single person that is in easy reach of you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. For those... Cheryl didn't want to be left out, Alice. For those that, so get ready, Ros and Steve and Michelle, we are going to do a lot of greeting. Anybody that's not quite near enough to you to shake hands with, you greet like this. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, my gentleman friend over there. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you see how long it's taking me to get to my seat? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everyone's like looking at me. Nobody's saying good morning back. Good morning. Good morning. It's the same thing. Yeah, English people are going, what? What What am I supposed to do? Okay. When you get to the front or wherever it is that you're sitting, you sit down. You then greet the person to your immediate left. Good morning. And the person to your immediate right. Good morning. You go to the person immediately behind you and you greet. And the person in front of you and you greet. That is the beginning before you've even started with church at all. That's the mechanism of greeting. Is that right, Lydia? Is that how it works in Nigeria? Similar. 
similar. At the end of the service, just when you think you've greeted everybody, you come out of the church service, you greet the person that has just come out of the church service before you. You then stand next to them. And every single person in the church service, regardless of how many hundreds of people they are, each will walk past you and greet you either with a kiss or a shaking of a hand or a touching like this against your chest. And they will come and stand next to you. And then by the end of it, the whole church is circled around outside with everybody greeting everybody else. Some of you have started sweating already. Ah, I don't know what to do with all of this. That is the mechanism of greeting. And when I think about church in Zambia, I just know that in one day, I can shake hands with over 200 people. That's just how it is. Incredible as that sounds, sometimes I would prefer, if I'm honest, I prefer not to do that. But as incredible as that sounds, that everybody is greeted, everybody gets a look in the eye, everybody gets a physical touch of the hand, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? If you've been yearning for a hug, you know when you go to church, somebody is going to hug you. You just know it. It's normal. Incredible as that sounds, Paul's challenge of greeting is even bigger than that. And this is what I really want us to be challenged about this morning. You see, when Paul is saying, greet them for me, what he's saying to the church is, I'm passing my greetings through you. You have to do the greeting. He uses the Greek word, and he, ooh, be impressed by that, as pazomwa, and this doesn't refer to a perfunctionary greeting, Something that's carried out with any, without any real interest, feeling, or effort. The kind of greeting that you do when you walk the dog. Morning, morning. Doesn't mean that. This greeting means to embrace, to hold closely, to accept and receive willingly and enthusiastically, and this is the next bit, as you would your family member. It's interesting, isn't it? Paul saying all these people, they don't look like you, they don't sound like you, they don't come from the same background as you, they're not from the same place as you, they might not speak the same language as you, they'll have different cultures, even, God forbid, different political standpoints. <gasps> Greet them, embrace them, receive them and accept them willingly and enthusiastically as you would your own family member. That's a challenge, isn't it? And whose responsibility is this? Sorry? Ours. Ours. In fact, to drill the matter home, if it wasn't already evident that the responsibility was the church, Paul goes on to say in verse 16... Can somebody read verse 16 of chapter 16 out for me, please? Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. What does it say? What's the instruction to us as the church? <laughs> Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, now we really are sweating, aren't we? Oh my goodness, do we have to? It's not saying, 
I looked it up. The, whole, the holy kiss implied acceptance and it also implied closeness. I can't kiss anybody, do you mind? No, go on. Unless I draw close. That's what it meant to greet everybody with a holy kiss. He said, everybody greet each other with a holy kiss. The holy kiss implied full acceptance. In New Testament times, it implied friendship. It implied that there's no elite or special groups existing in the church. No us and them. No givers and receivers. All equally loved equally accepted, equally valued, equally seen, not only by God, but by each other. What Paul was saying was make your acceptance and your friendship with one another evident to everyone who sees. Are we all right over there? That's a challenge to our greeting, isn't it? You've gone very quiet in here this morning. (laughs) Not suggesting that we go around kissing one another. But the challenge is to make our acceptance and our friendship and our love for one another evident to everyone. What a challenge to our greeting. I read two quotes this week when I was reading around this subject says, Paul knew that these believers demonstrating unity in one church was an important gospel witness because it was such a diverse church. When we really believe that today, then we do not merely host multi-ethnic events. We live multi-ethnic lives. Multi-ethnic unity on the weekends comes from multi-ethnic friendship throughout the week. It's challenging, isn't it? See, what we have on a Sunday morning, it's, it's easy. But the challenge is to develop deeper friendships with, with one another. Second quote says, is, in society, now more than ever, we seem incapable of uniting around anything other than affinity groups. So if I join the fishing group, I'm united through fishing. If I join the art group, I'm united by art. If I join the political group, I'm united by political ideologies. But where in our society is there a group that transcends differences of gender, race, or class? The only place that happened in the ancient world was this, the church. And I am convinced, as the person who wrote the quote, I am convinced the local church is still the only place that kind of unity in diversity can happen. The church. Was there an M- amen back there? Yeah. Amen. Note that the person who writes the quote, he says, can happen, not necessarily does happen. Because sometimes we can forget all of that, and church can be one of the most exclusive clicky kind of organizations ever. And it takes real commitment and hard work from all of us to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Remember, if you belong to Jesus, you came through the same door that I did. Same door. Ross, was it a different door you came through? Was it a different door that you came through? (laughs) 
door. No, you're all right. Jen, was it the same door that you came through? Yeah. Who was the door? Jesus. 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 If you're a man, which door did you come through? Woman, which door did you come through? Young, which door did you come through? Jesus. Old, which door did you come through? Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that is the unity that exists between us. The unity is the Spirit of God. Jesus himself is what unites us. We're not united on the same cultural things. We're not united on the same gender. We're not united on the same ideas. We're not united because we all like brown as colour for chairs. Does anybody like brown for colour for chairs? None of those things are what unites us. We're united by the door that we came through. And his name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us but we need to do everything we possibly can, everything we possibly can, to preserve the unity that we have already received the moment we walked through that door whose name is Jesus. You see, that was a gift that was given to us. As we walked through and we found belonging in the kingdom of God, we found brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, we found unity in the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us you receive that. Do everything you can to preserve the unity that you have received through Jesus. It's Jesus that unites us. He is our uniting factor. And we have to work really hard to make sure that we maintain that unity. So I believe that Paul had a twinkle in his eye when he was telling the church to greet. Greet one another. Greet that person that doesn't look like you. Greet that person that doesn't sound like you. Greet that person that comes from a different economic background than you. Greet that person that maybe you don't understand the language of. Greet that person. Receive, embrace, accept, as you would do your, the own, your own family member. It's a real challenge. And we must play our part in preserving that. You still with me? Yeah. Okay. In verse 17, Paul says, I urge you. This language suggests he wants us to try really hard, which tells me that we probably find it really difficult. When we use language like I urge you, try really hard, it's because it's something that doesn't come naturally to us. He says, I urge you, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. What he's saying is, is that unity, brotherly love, brotherly friendship, brotherly acceptance, all those kind of things are valued right up there. The most important thing is our unity between each other. And we need to be very careful that we don't allow division to rise up within us. If we're united by Christ, why will we allow, allow anything else to come in and divide us? What kind of things could divide us? Hello, Ties. What kind of things could divide us? Sorry? False doctrine could divide us. He says, hang on to the truth. Don't put any obstacles in. False doctrine could divide us. Anything else? Gossip. Yes, gossip can divide, can't it? 
If I'm united with my sister in Christ, Christ is what unites us. I don't want to allow anything to come in that will tear down that relationship. Anything else? Self-righteousness. Yes, self-righteousness could divide. Anything else? Backbiting. Yeah. Anything else? Pride. Yes. Arrogance. Yes. The undermining of one another. All of those things. He says, I urge you, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. And that's because unity and truth are the two ingredients that make us unique, different from the rest of all the other organizations on the face of the earth. Truth without unity leads to pride, and unity without truth leads to a departure from the true gospel. And Paul says, unity and truth are the two things that you need to hang on to. Love one another. Love the word of God. Love one another, greet one another, embrace one another, and love the word of God. I urge you, brothers, because we find it difficult. Verse 20 says, and this is, I think, apparently is David Eden's, one of David Eden's favorite um, scriptures there. says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then Paul goes on to the, what they call the doxology. Once he said all of this, and he said, please church, embrace one another, learn to live together, be accepting of one another, re- receive one another as you would do your own family. He plays, prays this blessing on the church. And I asked Nick to paraphrase it for me a little bit so that it was in English that I could understand. And this is what that last few, last few verses say. And I want to speak this over you. It says, I praise God who has more than enough power to establish you and keep you in the faith that is rooted in the gospel. Faith that is rooted in truth. Faith that is rooted in Jesus. I praise God who has more than enough power to establish you and keep you in the faith that is rooted in the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. What we understand now has, now has until now been hidden. But God has chosen to reveal it in our time. May this truth that has the power to liberate and save be unleashed so that many who would otherwise have been lost find salvation. This is the bit I love. God is drawing all people to himself from every tribe, language, and nation. And you know what? We have the real privilege of seeing that here at MCF. Have you noticed? We have the real privilege of seeing that in this, this place here. God is drawing all people to himself from every tribe, language, and nation. He is working out his great purpose in front of us. May we align ourselves with his will so that we may be part of this great story of salvation and redemption. To the God who orchestrates everything according to his wisdom and power, be glory forever. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. I wonder whether you would involve yourselves in a little activity before we hand back over to Paul. 
We did it at the women's conference, because if I said to you now, I would like you to go and find somebody that you've never spoken to before and greet them, find out who they are. So many times people come to church and they say, there's so many new faces, I don't even know who all these people are that are coming. What a, how fantastic is that? But if we don't ask, we'll never know what people's names are. So if I said to you, please, would you find someone you've never spoken to before, most of us will stay seated in our chairs, might feel a bit nervous about that. So would you be happy to do a little exercise for me, just for the next five minutes? I'd like you to find two people that have the same birth month as you. <laughs> the reason that I'm doing that is, is because it will mean that you go from one person to another, asking, you will ask lots and lots and lots of people what month they're born in. And then, when you find somebody, when you find somebody with your birth month, or two people with your birth month, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to talk about the door that you came through. His name is Jesus. And then what I'd like you to do is find out each other's names. And then what I'd like you to do, one of you, just take the initiative to bless the other two that are there, then swap round. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. Birth month. Don't worry if you find somebody that doesn't speak the same language as you. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. But we are the Church of Jesus Christ. We are united together. Off you go. What birth month are you? November. November. What birth month are you? January. 